Says now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. Jesus was crucified on Friday or on Thursday by some accounts. After his entombment, the tomb was sealed and guarded by the Roman soldiers. The tomb stayed sealed and guarded until it was discovered open by Mary Magdalene early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. Jesus had cast seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. Her troubled past didn't disqualify her from being the first witness of the resurrected Jesus and his first commissioned messenger of his resurrection. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Good morning. Let's open our Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Last week we looked at Jesus being on the cross and his crucifixion and all the events that took place during that time and how As Jesus hung on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, being the sacrifice of God, the Lamb of God, the Passover, if you will, for all of us, it says that after that, after he died, that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who were both very religious men, they were were members of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish religious leaders of the time. And they were both very quiet in their expression of that love and devotion to Jesus until that day, until that moment when Jesus died and they finally, these two brothers, these two men who loved the Lord, they take, they, they jeopardize their own selves and now and not being able to take part of the Passover celebration because of their defilement that they picked up from literally taking Jesus off the cross. According to the law, they were disqualified from really serving. And so uh, that's what happened. And so now Nicodemus and uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who were previously silent witnesses, are no longer silent at all. In fact, their devotion to Christ is now known not only to Pilate, but to everyone else as these two men join together to take Jesus off the cross. And let me suggest to you that taking Jesus off the cross was not an easy thing to do. Jesus wasn't some thin man who was just kind of frail and didn't have any substance. No, he was a carpenter, remember. And so he was a man's man. He was 
I, I would imagine, I don't know how much he weighed, but he was not, you know, this effeminate thing that a lot of times are uh, the caricature of Jesus is portrayed as. I don't believe that for an instant. Jesus was a substantial man. And now Nicodemus and Joseph, they take him down, being themselves now bloodied from having taken Christ down and then wrapping him with ointments and spices and then wrapping him in the cloths and and then Joseph taking him, taking Jesus into a tomb that was very nearby and it was the tomb that we know of today. And he took him in there, his own tomb that was for himself because he was a very wealthy man. He put Jesus in there. And now notice, so he's in the tomb for three days. Now one thing you have to understand is that even a half a day, you know, some people say, well, he wasn't really in there for three days. But he really was, because according to the Jewish mind, even a portion of a day is considered a day. So whether it was a full 36, or what is it, full 72 hours, whatever it is. Um, is that right? No, 36. I, I, no, wait. It, what is it? It's 72, isn't it? Good Lord. See, this is why I'm not a math major. So the full 72 hours, whether he was in there or not, for, it doesn't really matter. He was there for three days. And then he arose. And, and this is what we're looking at today. So let's just read the first 18 verses of this chapter, and then we'll get right into it. Notice, it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. 
And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. To her, What a wonderful passage. Uh, just the Lord Jesus Christ revealing himself to a woman whom he had delivered uh, out of her seven demons. She was possessed of seven demons and Jesus delivered her from that demonic activity. And so Mary was a, a woman with a great amount of love. Didn't he say the, those who are forgiven much love much? And she was one of those persons. She loved Jesus because she was forgiven much, and he had done so much for her. And it's interesting that she was the first one that Jesus revealed himself to, a woman. And Mary Magdalene, not even his own mother, but this woman who was completely uh, abased and now shining in the glory of Jesus Christ, knowing that he was her Lord. Now, as we get to this passage today, as we have read, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the single most significant event. It is, not only in history, but in eternity. Yes, even more significant than Jesus' birth, his crucifixion even, and even the rapture of the church. This event is the epicenter of all of those events and would not have any significance without the resurrection. And let me share why I believe that. So why is the resurrection more significant than Jesus' birth? Well, if Jesus did not fulfill those prophecies of the Old Testament concerning his death and resurrection, then his birth would not have no significance either, would it? And he would be no different than any other figure in history who was trying to make a name for himself. So the fact that he was resurrected, defeating death and hell... And in a new body, fulfilling the scriptures, that is what was the most significant thing. Even more so than the crucifixion. So why is the resurrection more significant than the crucifixion? Well, the miracle of the resurrection was the proof of Jesus' power over the grave. And thus fulfilling those Old Testament prophecies. Remember that miracles are always given to bring importance or to confirm the truth that is spoken. Whenever you see miracles in the Bible, oftentimes, more often than not, they they come after what was spoken. And the miracle is to confirm what what that word was and the significance of that word. Miracles are never given just to tantalize us, to entertain us. They're never meant to do that. Because if Jesus only claimed to die for our sins, but did not rise from the grave in his resurrection body, again, having defeated death and hell, then we would have no confidence or the assurance of salvation and resurrection and eternal life. The resurrection was the exclamation point to the crucifixion. The exclamation point. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it, and he said it boldly and loudly. 
You remember that even in the book of Acts on the day of Pentecost, Peter, as he is delivering this sermon in front of thousands of people, in which 3,000 at least gave their heart to Christ that very day, he said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, and you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, you have crucified him and put him to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And then he quotes Psalm 16, For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I might not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your presence. And then Peter goes on and he says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of this patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this very day. Therefore, being a prophet... And knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would rise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out, on th- poured out this, which you now see and hear. And so it was the exclamation point to the crucifixion. And again, so very important. Because think of how pitiful it would have been for Jesus just just to have died and there was no resurrection fulfilling the scriptures. Then who cares about his birth date? Who cares about the rapture? Because it all hinged on this one thing. Prophesied hundreds of years, even a few thousand years in advance. The resurrection is the capstone. Granted, the crucifixion is extremely important. Don't want to underestimate that. Because that's where our sin was paid for, once and for all. No doubt about that. There's no controversy here. But of the two, if Jesus just claimed to die, but didn't rise from the grave according to what the Scriptures had foretold, then we're wasting our time. Then we're here today, and we should be out golfing. We should be skiing. We should be doing something. So why then is the resurrection more significant even than the crucifixion? Well, Paul gives us the answer in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read a lot of 1 Corinthians 15 this morning because I would encourage you to get very acquainted with that chapter because it is all about the resurrection, why it happened, the the type of body we're going to receive. I mean, it goes on and on about the the, the, the prophecies and why it was necessary. But notice what Paul says. Here is the answer why the crucifixion, or why the resurrection, excuse me, is even more significant than the crucifixion. He says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? And here it is, verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, hear this, <clears throat> excuse me, 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith also is empty, yes. And we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. <laughs> that puts it right to, brings it in perspective, doesn't it? The resurrection. If he didn't rise again, then we are wasting our time. But he did rise. This is why it's so significant. Because he goes on in verse 20, he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of them who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Notice, Christ, the firstfruits. Afterward, those who are Christ that is coming. And then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Think of all the people here. You know, you've been baptized. If you were just baptized into his death, but not into his newness of life, into his resurrection, there's really nothing for us then. It is all about this event, this resurrection. Why then are the baptized... Why then are they baptized for the dead? And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? Excuse me. I affirm by the boasting in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If I, in the manner of men, have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, then let us eat, for tomorrow we die. Let us eat and drink. Let us, let's party. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not what you, excuse me, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. Now this portion of the scripture in, in Corinthians is, is important because there's a lot of misunderstanding about the body that Jesus had and the body that you and I are going to have at the rapture of the church. Jesus was the first fruits and then we will be raptured as well. We will be resurrected. The dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive and remain will be given a new body. And notice he says all flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men and another flesh of animals, another of fish and another of birds, and we're all very aware of that. We eat them on our dinner table. 
But there are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. And you and I have terrestrial bodies. They're made of the earth. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one differs from one, one star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. And it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And there is a natural body. And there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not the first, but the natural. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, obviously speaking of Adam. The second man, speaking of Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of the dust, so also are those who are made of the dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. The miracle of the resurrection was the proof of Jesus' power over the grave. Even the prophets attested to that. In Hosea, God says through the prophet, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. I will purchase them back from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. And this verse that we just read has continued on in our passage in Corinthians, which let's finish with. He says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Again, be, and just to pause here for a second, we're not able to stand in the presence of God with this body that is susceptible to sickness and death. No, when Jesus resurrects us as he was resurrected, we too will be given a new body. And the Bible tells us that there'll be no more death, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more coronavirus or any variant thereof. There'll be nothing. (laughs) We'll be in the image of God and our body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And he goes on and he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot, cannot, notice, inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Excuse me. Behold, I tell you a mystery, and here it is. We shall not all sleep, meaning we shall not all die, because maybe we're in that generation, folks. Maybe we live, or maybe now we are in this generation that most of us, hopefully, wouldn't that be awesome? To be the generation that witnesses the rapture. That's what Paul means by not all of us are going to sleep. There's going to be people alive when the rapture occurs. But notice, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this corruptible flesh that we currently have must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, and here it is, he's quoting Hosea 13 verse 14, or is it 14 verse 13? 
13 verse 14, and here it is. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.